So I'm not sure if you're going to get the shorter version or the longer version. I wrote out some notes, and uh, I think they're still on my computer at home. So here's the way we're going to do this tonight. Uh, just by way of review, what are the two things that we talked about the first week? Observe. Observe. Okay. And? Listen is good. Yeah, Deb. Okay, so simple illustrations, good questions, or, or statements that kind of challenge where somebody is at. If they say, I'm a Christian, then, then do a follow-up question to, to know what they mean by that. If they say, I'm an atheist, then, or whatever it might be, do some kind of a follow-up question to kind of assess where they're at. Uh, we talked about the second week, two more ideas. If you start a conversation, you need to keep it going, okay? And then the fourth one was? Okay, so test of commitments I, I put under the second one, but we did talk about it last week as review. Yeah, so we're, we're, the goal is to move from just talking to them to talking to them about God in a, in a way that would share the gospel and, and by His grace see someone trust Christ. All right, so those are kind of the four ideas that we talked about. This week what we're going to do is we're going to go through, uh, I don't know if anybody has a box of books, so we're going to talk about these, okay, and uh, if you want to borrow some of them, you can borrow some of them. So um, the kind of three categories in my mind, okay, first category are books that help us think about what is the gospel, why we should do evangelism, things like that. So if you've never shared the gospel with someone, or you haven't for a while, or you say, you know what, I feel like I should do this, but I'm a little fuzzy as to some of the why and the background behind it, that first group of books would kind of address those kinds of questions. The second group of books or resources would, it would be things that you would actively use when you're witnessing to someone. It could be anything from a church invite card to attract to a... Uh, Bible study, you know, all those sorts of different things, okay? The third category of books are ones that I feel like you would probably go to when you run into some kind of a problem. I'm witnessing to people, and I feel like it's not working. I talked to someone, they said they're this religion, I don't know anything about it. Um, how do I approach answering key questions about God, such as uh, the problem of evil? We'll talk more about what that means a little bit later. So those three categories, generally speaking, I think would describe the resources, at least that I have with me tonight. There's probably a bunch more categories, just like when we talk through Psalms, you could come up with 20 of categories for the Psalms. I like to take things simple, so there are going to be three categories here. So we're going to start with the first one, not because everyone necessarily has to be convinced that we should witness, but uh, sometimes it's good to review some of the background of, of evangelism, right? What are some passages in Scripture that talk about it? Some of those different things. So, uh, there is, for example, this book, which is The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. This is one of the uh, Nine Marks books. So, they've got, you've seen their series probably on things like church membership, what is a healthy church member, what is the role of a pastor, expository preaching. Like, they've got a whole series their goal is to write books that are helpful for the church to think about being a church biblically. And so this one is designed more toward individuals saying, all right, what is it that God calls us to do? 
So for example, uh, the chapter titles, Why Don't We Evangelize? What is the Gospel? Who should evangelize? How should we evangelize? What isn't evangelism? What should we do after we evangelize? And why should we evangelize? And so just uh, a lot of different things on that. It is a relatively short book. It is 120 pages. And some of them are blank at the beginning of the chapter. So a little bit less, probably about 100 all said and told. So it's a very accessible book. You say, I don't really read a ton. 100 pages you can do, even if it takes you, you know, two weeks or a month. Uh, you know, that, that's, I think, a, a helpful book. What was that again? The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. I should just put the ones that I've talked about over here. Uh, and these I'm going to put back on the shelf, or if you want to take them home from here, that's fine. I'd like to have them back so other people can read them, but, I mean, take as long as you need to read through them, okay? Um, God is helping me to grow from the time when my sister took one of my favorite books, left it in the bathroom, and it got water dumped on it, and it got all crumpled in the drawer with the hairbrushes and stuff. So um, I feel like I've grown in that. So I view these as books to benefit all of us, not just books to sit on my shelf. But if you can bring them back, then someone else can do it when you're done. Yes, please. You could put out a sign-up sheet on those books. I could, yeah. Uh, what I'll probably do, in fact, I'll just do it right now. I'll just take a picture of them, and that way, if I go to look for one I know it's missing, then I know it's one that one of you has, and then I know who to talk to. And then that'll be easier, and then we don't have to, don't have to do as much work. So we'll just do that real fast. Okay, that's done. <coughs> Sign-up sheets are good, but I'm not good at making them. So gospel and personal evangelism is a helpful one. Um, this one is kind of maybe bridging the gap between the third category and the first category, and it's why trust the Bible. So if you're not sure of some of the things about why we can trust what the Bible says, and that's one of the things that's keeping you from wanting to talk to people, because is the Bible true is one of those questions that's going to come up, then that could be a, a helpful thing for you to read through. This is written by a guy named Greg Gilbert. He wrote uh, another one. I want to say it's like a two-word title. It's something about like what is the gospel or whatever, but I think it's just a couple of words. So he has another book that's helpful on the subject of the gospel. I was not able to find it, so I don't know if somebody borrowed it or if I, got, I lost it at some point along the way. But that one's a helpful one. Uh, this is written by a guy, uh, Rico Tice. This one's called Honest Evangelism, How to Talk About Jesus Even When It's Tough. Rico Tice is the guy who does all of the videos for Christianity Explored. So a very down-to-earth guy. Uh, I know the church did Christianity Explored. There wasn't a great deal, I think, of participation in it by unbelievers when the Bible study tried to happen. Um, I think it's one of those things where you have to be at a certain point in your relationship with friends who are unbelievers to get them to come to something like that at church. And so... Uh, I don't want, because it didn't work in the past, us to feel like the tool is completely worthless, but it's something that has a particular moment in which it's most helpful. Connected with that, we'll talk about Christian Explored later, but this is the guy that wrote Christian Explored, and I've read through this, it's been a while. Um, any of these books, there's probably some little thing, and we're like, eh, I don't know if I agree with that, but they're, they're profitable enough that I feel like uh, they'd be lo worth looking at. Okay? Um, then there is... Um, let's see here. Uh, Ken Ham wrote one. Gospel Reset. So, 
It was a gift from Answers in Genesis that I think Jacob left here or something. So um, this one is getting into some different things about um, millennials in the church, which, you know, so you can, that tells you when it was written because millennials aren't as popular of a topic now. Um, building a foundation, but I like the fact that it goes through, and I haven't read the whole thing here, but I like the fact that it goes through and touches on um, Acts 2, Paul's sermon um, in Acts 17, Acts 17 type culture. So he kind of goes into some of the big biblical patterns. Um, great divide, where did the church go wrong, and then a gospel reset. And then instead of the Romans road at the back of it, he has the Genesis to Romans road. So we usually start with Romans, but he, he starts with Genesis 1.1, God made everything. Genesis 1.31, God made everything perfectly. Genesis 3, the punishment for sin is death, and then gets into Romans 5, 3, and 10. So just, you know, probably some helpful ideas. Okay? Um, this one is one about evangelism and the sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. This is by no means an exhaustive list on evangelism. These are just books that I had on my shelf. Uh, so if you want to think about the way that that works, because sometimes... People will say, well, if God wants people to be saved, he should just save them. What do I have to do with it? Right? That was the attitude of people around the time that uh, William Carey, Adoniram Judson, all of them got sent out. And one of the people who was really key in that was a guy named Andrew Fuller who said the gospel is worthy of all acceptation. Everybody should hear the gospel. We should offer it to everybody and let God sort out who believes. Because we believe strongly and emphatically in God's sovereignty because we believe in God's sovereignty, he is going to save people. And because he said, here's what I want you to do, we should obey. So instead of sitting there and saying, well, if God wants to save the people over there, he'll send somebody over there. Fuller said, look, the somebody is you. Go tell them. And kind of tied it in with Romans 10 and several other passages. So that gets into some of those kinds of things. Um, uh, this one is um, one that I um, picked up. I don't remember where, I think at a book sale or something. And I haven't read through all of this, but some of the ideas in here I think are helpful. So there's the idea of union with Christ and, and some of those sorts of things. The, the background of this would be maybe a little bit more of a, like a Presbyterian perspective that that's becoming from. Um, so it's just called the rest of the gospel. And so I think it's the idea of um, you know what? Let me read this one again before I say you should read it. Okay. Um, I think it's I think it's like a higher calling, second blessing kind of approach. Just skimming through it again. Um, there was another one with a similar title that I was looking at. That, um, anyways, we'll set that one aside for now. This one's kind of along the same lines as the Greg Gilbert one. Taking uh, God at his word, why the Bible is knowable, necessary enough, what that means for you and me. Again, kind of background for how we can trust the Bible as the basis for evangelism, uh, less specifically about evangelism itself. Um, John Blanchard, um, Meet the Real Jesus. Um, he wrote a tract, which I don't remember if I brought with me tonight. I know I have a copy of it at home somewhere. That uh, it's called, I believe, Ultimate Questions. I don't know if that rings any bells for anybody. Ultimate Questions. It's a black cover. It's got kind of like red and blue, like 
looks like a streak at night or something. Um, he was probably, I don't know how long ago, maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, he was one of the ones that was pushing evangelism in the way the Christian explored some of the other people are now. So that one's called Meet the Real Jesus. Um, I have another one uh, by Dever called The Church, The Gospel Made Visible. And so to the extent that the gospel is not just something that affects, like it's not just pray a prayer, go to heaven, now you know Jesus, everything is great, but actually something that has implications for the church. If I am forgiven in Jesus, I'm supposed to forgive other people, stuff like that. Uh, he talks through a variety of the different um, things that are true about the local church and how they sort of flow out of the gospel, okay? Now, so he's got things about uh, the nature of the church, marks of the church, discipline of the church, etc. Then the second one is kind of development of theology and church history. And then Protestant gathered, Congregational and Baptist, why some of those things are important. Um, let's see here. Um, this one, again, is not one that, it, it's coming from a little bit different, um, let's be a broader evangelicalism kind of background. This one's called Going Public with the Gospel, Reviving Evangelistic Proclamation. I think it's thought-provoking from the perspective of the idea of preaching evangelistically. Not necessarily that everybody's called to do street preaching, but to the extent that we feel like nobody should do what Paul and others did, I think it has some thought-provoking ideas. Again, it's not a, a, a widespread endorsement of everything in it. I just, you know, sometimes you read books because to the degree that they, you disagree with them, they make you think, right? Um, then this last one is called Tell the Truth by Will Metzger. The whole gospel to the whole person by whole people. And um, what's the content of the message? The idea of conversion of the total person. And then the third part is character and communication and witnessing. And then various approaches in evangelism. So preaching, literature, small groups, Christian hospitality, large groups, corporate or body witness. And then at the end, it has some worksheets for improving our witness. Things like language barrier, personal testimony, good questions, discipling new believers, questions non-Christians ask, etc. So I don't remember if it was a college or seminary, but I know that there were a handful of people that thought this was one of the really good books on evangelism. And I've read a fair number of them, so I can't remember all the distinctives of this one versus some others. But I think if you read it, it would point you to some ideas that would be helpful. So, those are, just very briefly, a handful of books. There's obviously far more out there in the world. Um, these are the ones that maybe you would want to snag one of those and think about it as a precursor or alongside you actively trying to witness to people. Okay? The next set of books is where I want to focus a little bit more time. And, um, but not too much time because we do need to have some prayer time together. All right, let me, a minute to go and uh, grab some of these. I'm gonna grab some of the church invites because I wanna show you something. Give me a second here. So I think a lot of you are here on Sunday afternoon, but I'm just gonna pass one of these around to everybody again. Yep, and uh, you're here. 
here on Sunday afternoon. Now you have two that you have to hand out this week. So there you go. I don't know. You got you got another name? All right, there's a good one. Uh, all right, here. Uh, give me those. I'll give you one. I know you probably got some. So, so uh, you'll pass one down to the plants, and I think they were looking at on Sunday too. So the thing I want to point out from the back of that is. I put a verse that I like, so I made the business card, so I just put a verse that I like, and its idea is, have you turned from your sin to trust Jesus? And you, could, you say, I don't know what to say to them. That's a really simple question. It's based on 1 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10. You can say, hey, uh, we'd love to have you visit our church. And your follow-up question can be, have you ever turned from your sin to trust in Jesus? And if you want to ask some other questions in between, that's not a bad idea either, but if you have a really brief opportunity to have a conversation, that kind of combines both of those two things. If you want to go to the idea of having a tract. So I went and looked at the, um, the ones on, that we have in the back there. So for example, we have these, which I was familiar with, uh, former church I was at, God's Bridge to Eternal Life. The idea is there's a division between us and God. Jesus is God's Bridge to Eternal Life. He deals with the sin problem, we need to have faith in him. There is one that is more involved with pictures and such. And then there's one that's just very simple illustrations that's less colorful and maybe a little easier to fit in your pocket. So those two different versions of that, that's a, a decent option. There's this one that is two ways to live. I don't know, I feel like there's material on it. I feel like maybe you guys went through it before I came. Or there was intention of going through it. I don't know. Because there's a training DVD that I have as well here. But So this one kind of goes from the perspective of God is the loving ruler. We all reject the ruler. God will eventually punish us for rejecting the ruler. Jesus always lived under God's rule. And he died for sin. God raised Jesus as the ruler of the world. So now here's the two ways to live our way. Reject the ruler. Try to run life our own way. The result is condemned and facing judgment. God's new way, submit to Jesus as our ruler, rely on Jesus' death and resurrection, and the result is forgiven by God and given eternal life. So the question is, which way do you want to live? Okay? So the reason I'm showing several differences of these is because um, there's not one tract or one approach we should do with everybody. So, you know, when I was a kid, everybody said we need to do the Romans road. There's a whole lot more verses in the Bible than the five or six from Romans. So we need to, um, it's good to have tools because if you, if you get in a situation where you're not sure what to do, but you have a pattern you can fall back on, that's a good place to start, right? But if we only rely on one pattern, you know, there's the old saying, uh, when you have a nail, everything looks like a hammer. Or when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's one of those two. The point is, we try to, um, I was talking with our three-year-old nephew, Drew, and I, I, he said, he saw I had a tape measure sitting out. He's like, oh, a tape measure, my dad has one of those. I don't know why I asked him this. I was like, does it make a good hammer? And he looked at me like I was weird. But the, the point would be, it's not the right tool for banging a nail into the wall, right? 
Sometimes we've used things like pliers or whatever else to bang a nail into the wall when we couldn't find a hammer, but it's not the right tool. So have some tools, but have more than one tool if possible. Um, this is a good tool. This is a New Testament. Uh, we have a number of these. If someone comes to the church, or if you're doing a Bible study with someone and you need one of these, I think I've got six or seven, maybe eight of them. Um, if I would, so here's my thought. If we start with these, the paperback ones, if we're just giving it out, you're not sure exactly how it's going to go, you know, etc. If you've been having a really good conversation with somebody, you're like, they really need a Bible. We have some that are kind of like the pew Bibles. You're welcome to give those out. I also have some random Bibles sometimes. If you go to a used bookstore, if I tell them I'm a pastor, they'll have a bunch of Bibles. They'll just give me some. And so I've done that a few times. So there's an assortment of different Bibles that we have as resources. If someone you know needs a Bible, you know, the bottom, the bottom shelf on each of the bookshelves in there are the kind of giveaway or take home and use resources, right? The top ones are the borrow and bring back so someone else can use resources. So um, if you need Bible, if we need to order more of these, I will gladly spend the evangelism budget on ordering more Bibles and things like that. Um, this is um, and along the same lines, this is kind of all in the first category, the second is a one by one, W-O-N by O-N-E, okay? And um, again, it's, it's something that you can go through, 13 lessons, the scriptures, then three about God, then the devil, creation, sin, repentance, faith, salvation, second coming of Christ, heaven and hell. So it's got questions, for example, um, the creation, who created the universe, here's two verses. How many days? Genesis 131. On what basis do you understand the Bible is created by the word? So the, if you say, I want to talk through important doctrines of the Bible, but I don't know where to start, this is a good starting point. I will say that, skimming through this, the average unbeliever is potentially going to find this somewhat intimidating. Because A, they may not be sure where to look for some of the verses, although it's easier with electronic Bibles these days. Secondly, uh, just the way some of the questions are, is worded. So, for example, how did Satan slander Job? I think you and I know the point is he's accusing him before God. But I'm not sure that that's a reasonable question to ask your neighbor or whoever who's not had a lot of church background. So, again, this is not bad. I mean, take one of these, look through it, get some ideas, right? Um, but that might not be, depending on the person, the best fit. Uh, we have, um, and these are the, the two different things here. So we've got Christianity Explored, which is a study through the Gospel of Mark. And then we have Discipleship Explored, which surveys some other passages. And um, the one is intended to kind of build upon the other. So I've got both the workbooks and some training materials there. If someone wanted to do that, like at your work or wherever, or with a neighbor, a friend, whoever. Um, this is one that um, First of Sterling Heights has found to be pretty helpful. It's called The Exchange. The idea is basically Jesus has exchanged places with us. And so I have this one. I also have a training guide that's how to give the exchange. And it kind of walks through in more detail. So you're welcome to borrow this or, or both of them. Um, the idea of the exchange uh, from the introduction uh, Jesus did not reply with directions to where Jesus was. He just said, come and see. Um, 
When Philip told his friend Jesus was Messiah, Nathanael was not impressed. He replied, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So Philip pulled out his apologetics book, began to tell his friend that Jesus was really born in Bethlehem, fulfilled 15 Old Testament prophecies. That's not what Philip did. He just said, come and see. Philip knew that if his friend met Jesus firsthand and got to know him like he knew Jesus, Nathanael would love him as much as he did. And so the idea is basically you look at a bunch of verses and then um, you answer it. And they're not a ton of questions. So like in this page, what word did Jesus use to define God's holiness? You must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. I think that's a lot more accessible question for someone that's not had a huge church background. Or a church background that's like, I don't know, more like liturgical, show up, do the things, and not really open your Bible and listen to it. Okay? Um, so this is an option. I would say exchange is probably a little bit more accessible, maybe, than Christianity Explored, in that Christianity Explored is kind of geared toward holding it somewhere and watching a video, and I forget if it's 8 or 12 weeks, but it's like a longer time commitment, whereas the exchange, I believe, is... Um, trying to remember here four lessons God is holy God is just God is loving God is gracious okay so if you get somebody to commit to a month I think you can get through that the other is more like a three month kind of thing if you're only meeting once a week um if you um this is one more geared toward kids as in parents for kids so it's bible reading with your kids and so to the extent that we are um, needing to teach our kids the Bible, at least continue discipleship, even if they already made a profession of faith. And sometimes, based on my own experience, a lot of people I've met in church, you make a profession of faith when you're young. Sometimes you struggle with that later. This is kind of how do you take the Bible and then apply it with your kids. So it's not just evangelism for adults. Um, if you wanted to, along the same lines, um, New City Catechism is, I think, an update of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And um, a few of the questions are going to be a little bit more um, not Baptist or something like that. But overall, it's good biblical stuff to kind of walk through with your kids. Um, this is the training video for Two Ways to Live, so if you want to take that and watch that. Um, this is, uh, we're coming up on Christmas. This is one that um, Good Book Company produced. It's called Christmas Playlist, Four Songs That Bring You to the Heart of Christmas. This is just an example of that there are Christian books geared towards specific seasons like Christmas and Resurrection Sunday that you could just say, hey, it's Christmas. I want to give this to you, you know, my neighbor or whatever. So one year I think Kelly and I wrapped up, I don't think it was this one, I think it was a different one. We bought like five or ten copies. We wrapped them up. We had some people over to a Christmas event. And then we just gave them one of these when they came. So they weren't horribly expensive. I know inflation and all that is a real thing. They're probably like 12 bucks now when they were six or eight before. But they're still not ridiculously unaffordable. I really like this one. This one takes a little bit more. If, if you've never sat down and done a Bible study with someone, this one is going to be somewhat intimidating. But it's a good book to read through and think about. And here's why. So the idea is, um, I was rereading it earlier today. He said that, all right, talks about three people. 
First person is you're not sure he's a Christian. Second, she's started attending your church, seems to be a new Christian, doesn't know much. Third, you think he might be in a position to be moving toward leadership in the church. How are you going to help all three of those people grow? Is there one curriculum that's going to meet all three of their needs? He said, what could you do? Well, you could invite the unsaved one to the next big evangelistic event. Check. Isn't there a discipleship program for the one that needs to learn more stuff? Check. What about the guy that's maybe uh, in a position to grow into leadership? Maybe a special interest class offered by your church? Check. If these were the plans for growth that came into your mind, I want you to know you're not alone. We've been conditioned for generations to think of spiritual growth mainly in terms of an event to go to, a program to register for, or a class to take. Imagine that all of them could grow by the same means. We call this reading the Bible one-to-one. Why should we do it? Who is it for? The idea is simply that you say to someone, we want to read through the Bible together, we're going to get together and do it once a week. You say, I don't know if I have time to prepare for it. He said, there's two ways to do it. You prepare for it beforehand, or you show up and both of you walk through it. Like you sit there, read through the passage out loud or separately for five or ten minutes, and then, you know, what are you supposed to do? So here's some two methods that you could, you could do for it. So one of the methods is um, that you can, uh, let me pull up the example here. You go through the passage and you look for three things. Anything that catches your attention, put a light bulb by it. Anything you don't understand, put a question mark by it. Anything that applies personally, put an arrow by it. That's really straightforward, okay? You could do that beforehand. You could do it in the context of your conversation as you, if you, if you print out a chapter or something and both of you look at it. Um, and then you say, okay, I feel like I want to go a little bit more in depth. So then there's a variety of acronyms that I've heard associated with this. Um, but um, the one that they put in here is COMA, which sounds negative, but it's context, observation, meaning, and application. When I was in, host, in high school, they didn't have a catchy acronym. They did one that was OCIA, which is basically the same thing, but it's not very memorable. Um, observation, correlation, interpretation, application, basically the same thing, right? So the idea with this, particularly if you're preparing beforehand, you look at the context of the verse, what are some things you observe, what does it mean, and then application uh, to your life. Um, so, then they've got questions to help you walk through this. And then they have some suggested passages you could read through. Here are the questions for the Gospels and for Acts. Already ready to go for you. Um, here are some questions for the Epistles. Already ready to go for you. Here are questions for Hebrew wisdom literature and poetry. You want to read through Proverbs together. Here are some questions for you to talk about together. Questions for the prophetic literature. You're going to talk through Zechariah with this person you just met. Go for it. Here's some questions, okay? Um, questions for apocalyptic literature. And then here's a sample, eight weeks through Mark's gospel, so on and so forth. So this, again, is a really short book. It is less than 100 pages, if you don't include the sample questions at the end. Uh, right around 100 pages. Very easy for you to pick up and say. But, but the thing that's intimidating about this is... If you say, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do a Bible study with someone at church, let alone an unbeliever, then what I would say is, pick up something like this, do it with someone at church. You've practiced doing it with someone at church? Okay, now do it with an unbeliever. Okay? Um, I will be honest with you, most of my interactions with people have been 
in the context of things like um, obviously like hospitals, PT places, things like that. And the nature of them has been building relationships through more like we were talking about last week, like going to the same Kroger roughly the same time every week. Those situations don't always lend themselves well to doing something like this. And um, in the previous house we lived out, I wasn't able to get to the point where I could do this with a neighbor. But I think that there's a decent chance, and I'm hoping that I'll have opportunity to do this with one of my neighbors in the near future. My point in saying that is I'm not coming and saying you should do this, and I've done it 50 times, and I have all the answers. I'm saying I've tried to do this, and I haven't been able to make this one work so far, but I want to keep trying and, 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 and focusing on it as well. Because there's nothing wrong with handing someone a tract. But most people are not going to trust Christ simply because you handed them a tract and then you left, right? If you have ongoing conversations along these lines, then I think that could be helpful. Um, I guess the one, a couple of examples that I've had with something along these lines would be I've met with some different people along the last few years who were prospective members and talked through things from our church statement of faith. And so that's more a little bit of a topical thing instead of let's just sit down and read through this, you know, the book of James or something. And um, unfortunately, some of those conversations have then led to some of those people saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and so um, I don't, but that doesn't mean God's not using it at some point later in their life because we talk through those things. Okay, so uh, I want to go by the reading. It's a really helpful book. I know people who have used it to great success. There's a lot of options. My point is, you can find something, try it. If that one doesn't work for you or doesn't work for you in that moment or doesn't work with that situation, keep trying, try something different. Um, the bottom line is we want to connect people with God through his word, and those are just some tools to help you think about that. All right, really quickly, uh, the last category here. Uh, I got into this a little bit on Sunday afternoon when we were talking about application from the sermon. And that was the question of apologetics. So there's basically two categories of books here. One is defending, well, maybe three. One is defending God on points that believers, unbelievers like to harp on. So this is by C.S. Lewis. It's called God in the Dock. I don't agree with all of his argumentation, but like most of the things that C.S. Lewis wrote, they're thought-provoking, right? So sometimes it'll be thought-provoking because you're like, how in the world could you say that? So I'll give you an example. Chronicles of Narnia, the last book, he says that um, all of the good deeds you ever did, have you not read it? It won't hopefully be a spoiler. There's a pagan god and then there's the true god in C.S. Lewis's fantasy world. And the true god basically says, all the things you did for the false god, I took them to be for me, and all the bad things you did in my name, I, I was like, well, those were his, I don't claim them. That's not how it works, right? You can't just be like, um, I followed whatever religion my whole life, but God will let me to heaven because I really meant, meant well by it, right? So C.S. Lewis has moments like that where you're like, come on, man, right? But there's also a lot of moments where he'll say things in particular ways that are really thought-provoking, and there's a fair number of these in this book. So this is called God in the Dock. The book is kind of in rough shape. I got it for 19 cents, who knows where. But... Um, a helpful thing to look through. Uh, another one along those lines that kind of gets into similar kinds of issues, he wrote one called Mere Christianity. There is an ecumenical streak in it, which I don't love, 
but it is also thought provoking, so there's some things to think about there. Um, this one sort of shifts a little bit, uh, fairly accessible, uh, and it is, why should I believe Christianity? Okay? Big 10 critical questions answered. Why believe the big picture? Christianity is a worldview. God is there. God is not silent. God with us. Define death and what now. So it's just getting into a lot of those different things. Again, the presuppositional evidential thing, I forget exactly where this one falls. Probably going to have a little bit of both elements. But at the end of the day, if it's thought-provoking and helpful, it doesn't matter too much. Um, this one is by Cornelius Van Til. The Defense of Christianity and My Credo. Okay, so he is, uh, this one's going to be a little bit harder to read because he was a Dutch theologian who was very thoughtful, maybe would be a good word to put it. So it's not super easy, easy to read. So let me give you an example. Of special importance is this connection is Calvin's view of the census deitatus. Says Calvin. And then he quotes for Calvin for about two pages. Um, it's not bad, but it's going to be probably not something you want to read when you're about to fall asleep. But if you can slog through it, it's helpful in several respects. This one is another one that's fairly accessible. What is truth? Evaluating competing worldviews. That's a little bit more popular level one. Um, and then we have, what's your worldview? Interactive approach to life's big questions. This one's probably a little bit easier than, um, than the why should I believe Christianity. It's broken up into smaller chunks. So for example, questions. The freedom question. The truth question. And you ever done a choose your own adventure book? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you read part of a story and then it says go to page 52 if you choose this option. That, that's the, the basic concept. So, do you have the power to make free choices? If you answered yes, go to page 20. If you answered no, go to page 20. All right. And then uh, the matter question, is everything ultimately material? Your answers to the God question and the unity question indicate that you hold an atheist worldview, but not a monist worldview. And then he explains what he means. You think there are many distinct things in the universe, but none of those things is God in any traditional sense of the term God. Monist would be the universe is God, right? So there's a difference between atheism and monism. We won't get into all that. Some of you who have a little bit more philosophical than intriguing. If you really want to dive in, one of these two, Apologetics to the Glory of God, this was a textbook in one of my classes in either college or seminary, and I haven't read it in a really long time, but what I recall of it was really good. This was similarly a textbook. One is Apologetics to the Glory of God by Frame. The other one is Always Ready by Bonson. Both of them are more formally on the subject of apologetics. So, these are by no means an exhaustive set of resources, but I think they would potentially be helpful in causing you to think about things. Like I said, the middle section is what I'm more concerned about. Do you need some tracks and we run out of what we have here? 
we will buy some more. You need help picking out a Bible study? Come talk to me and say, here's what's going on, and here's the person, and here's where I think they're at in terms of their understanding of God and the Bible. And if one of these doesn't fit, I can talk to other people and we can come up with one that would be a good option. Or just say, you know, one-to-one -one Bible reading. You're like, I don't, I don't know about that. But, you know, we just went through the Gospel of Mark. If you want more in-depth, I think MacArthur has, what, like 50 sermons on it, probably? If you want the shorter version, you know, I know some of you felt like I went through it pretty fast, but we were still in it for three and a half months, I think. So, um... There are, there are resources available for, for all of these things. But my goal would be not that any one of these resources is the answer, but that to the extent you need to brush up on why we're doing this, or what we're doing, or when someone throws a wrench at you and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, three categories of resources that would be helpful. All right, I know I just did a lot of talking. Any questions before we go to prayer time? Could you repeat that all? <laughs> no. I mean, yes, but it wouldn't be exactly the same. So better for better or for worse. Um, yes.